Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics, like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Marie Bray and is sponsored by Liz Smythe. This is Dumpty Dum, the shabby reality ducky drama that is centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the New Year's resolution 
who is Roy Phil Brown. And I am here today with a member of royalty, I tell you. Royalty! From the Academic Arches, it is... It's Dr. Cara Courage, and I can say it. Hello, you two! <laughs> hey! <laughs> and, Hello, Cara. <laughs> and we are joined by a galette de... You know what? A king Italian. That all sounds proper posh and French to me. It's epiphany. It's epiphany, mate. Epiphany. All right. Good. (laughs) And uh, you are Jacqueline Alberto in Sanguine in Brittany, France. On this episode, we'll hear from our globe-trotting Richard, who is all over the place this week. Catherine Cantalina, who wonders what's the point of Lottie. Andrea from beautiful central Brittany who's loving the dumpty dum tunes. Paul Norris, a first time caller in Matthew Horspool, who doesn't understand why the loan wasn't mentioned at the restaurant. Glyn Fullerlove, who has some predictions. Queen Bee, who has predictions for Lower Loxland Grey Gables. Our lovely Witherspoon, who is delighted for Tracy and Jazza and also rather pleased with himself. And finally, it's Pip, not that one from Thornton Heath, who passes on her mum's plot prediction. Plus, we have Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin, Theo. And we have the social media roundup this week from our Stephen, who got it in just under the wire. Don't forget, if you search for Dumpty Dum on YouTube, you'll find Dumpty Dum on YouTube. If you want to have it spoiled and ruined for you, what the actors actually look like on The Archers. <laughs> I recommend the interview that the lovely Mr. Brown did with Michael Lumsden, who plays Alistair. It was a great piece of work. And of course, this wouldn't be a dumpty dum without us wishing a very warm welcome to our new members of our Facebook group. Now, dumpty dummers, we need you to give us or at least supply more tunes to our bank of dumpty dums so we can pay that in the future. We did get one this week, which will be played out on a future show. So we thank that wonderful dumpty dummer for that. But come on, then. if you do anything for this podcast, why don't you just like hum, play a tune? Get out your banjo, get out your old piano, get the family round the old piano, have a proper knees up by doing a Barwick Green for us. Record it on Speakpipe, and then we've got it. We don't ask for much. Now, but before all of that, but first, let us look at our the week in Ambridge from our Sui's Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sui here, Queen or Tart on the Twitters, and here's the first week in Ambridge. January 2023. I was so concerned we were going to be thwarted out of the proposal scene this week and have one of those reported conversations where we found out by proxy that something had happened. Oh, just like Susan did, I can see why she was miffed when Tracy wandered around later to break the news. Really, she should have been outside the door at the crack of dawn waiting for Susan to waft down the stairs in her nightie on New Year's Day and turning up in the shop on the 2nd was rather inconsiderate. But the important thing, let us not forget, is that Will wasn't in the ball, as proposing would have been poor form on Nick and Will's wedding anniversary. You can't do the right thing for doing wrong, eh, Tracy? Anyway, what a proposal. Who wouldn't enjoy the clumsy, well-meaning, but ultimately bumbling drivel from Brad and Chelsea? Quite brought a tear to the eye over their massacre of the English language. All's well that ends. That's what I say. Stella put Brian well and truly back in his box over her management activities and choice to go to a conference. She tried to get some input from Ruth on how to handle Brian's unreasonable behaviour. Astonishingly, Ruth had little to offer. Liking very much the addition of Lottie to the drama, even if insurance broking makes farming look so exciting. 
Pip behaved so much better with her around and Ben enjoyed his tilt on the milking. Delighted that Rosie got a certificate for Ben's work on her over Christmas homework. I'm sure it looked great on the fridge and we're not used to guilt Ben into further work by Pip in the future. Pip's going to have to have more fun in 2023. What a resolution. How smashing. Pip invited Lottie to test out the new Airbnb. Sorry, B&B. It's not an Airbnb. Let's not get that incorrect. It went very badly wrong. When Rosie got involved in setting the date and she turned up just as Ruth and David were off on their big night out, of which more later. Still, they had a lovely play date out of it without too many tears before bedtime. We were forced to listen to the Brookfield archers at their best scrapping over who was least to blame for Ben's breakdown before the nice community psychiatric nurse told them all to grow up and support Ben rather than scoring points off each other. Oh no, I think that was wishful thinking on my part. They have better skills for the future to recognise the signs and Ben is taking the medicine. Lizzie, having patched things up with Vince, is anxious to play more happy families and he did give her a nice Christmas present so she brokered a deal a dinner between the four of them, which will make everything better. So we were treated to two dinners this week, a very frosty one with Susan and Tracy, which didn't end up with them kissing and making up with permission to start planning the good bits of the wedding. And then the dinner to end all dinners with Vince, Elizabeth, Ruth and David, which ended up with the latter stopping off, paying for the dinner on the way out, when it became apparent that Elizabeth had given a very restrained account of offence to Vince. I don't see them coming back from that anytime soon, do you? Anyway, till next week. Thank you for that, Suey. Let's come to you, Doc. How how did you ruminate, cogitate, and how did the last week in Ambridge lie and sit with you? I really enjoyed it. It was weird. I was just thinking it's been a long, many years since we haven't had like the huge, big, like cliffhanger. And so just the happiness really of Jazza and Tracy and then it was all just like kind of humdrum and I really enjoyed that actually I was knackered after Christmas and I couldn't have gone through another emotional kind of ringer of any cliffhanger so I really enjoyed it I loved it with Neil when Susan was saying oh I can't wait to have a new brother and then Jazza's going yeah sorry Neil yeah in law that was comic Mm -hmm. timing to its best effect and my other favourite thing that I come away from this week is, yes, all of Stella and how she was with Brian. Textbook, brilliant, you know, depiction of a, of a woman just knowing her profession, knowing her skills, knowing her worth. But that walk that she had with Brian on New Year's Day, I know the sound of somebody walking with a hangover and she played it so well. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Slightly out of breath. A bit exasperated. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So I had those two little nuggets, Neil and Estella, and I, I really giggled at both of those. I loved it. So for you, a week that ends well is Lizzie back in bed with Vince. Maybe I've, I've wanted to just partition that mentally. I cannot believe <laughs> Elizabeth's behaviour and her decision making on this. Like, how do I begin to say how disappointed I am with this woman? I mean, the idea of the dinner pitched at completely the wrong levels too soon. And also bringing Vince into this without him actually knowing the real ramifications of what happened for Ben. And it's not just about the money, and it was weird that the money wasn't mentioned, but it is about the mental health of their son and how touch and go that was and will continue to be. So in a way, I'm not a fan of Vince at the moment, but he was kind of set up to fall. Elizabeth is kind of like an anti-mediation. So I, I put her, I, I square a lot of blame at Elizabeth for that. 
But I, I still just, I can't believe she's like, oh yeah, nice plate, Vince. You did everything I told you to. So off we trot happily back to the bedroom at, at Lower Loxley. It's just ridiculous. Proper bad. And, and I would say the money really is super significant if your apologies at a ridiculously expensive restaurant. <laughs> yes. You're really rubbing people's noses in it. Anyway, Madame, your last week in Ambridge. Well, like Cara, I've really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the comings and goings. The contrast between the two dinners, the one at Trace, with Tracy and Jazza and uh, mm. Neil. I love Neil anyway. And Neil is, he's, I felt, I felt twice this week. I said, oh, isn't he lovely, Neil? There he was with John Grisham and in front of the fire. And he offered to get in his car and drive Susan to the bull to say sorry. And then I thought, oh. Poor Neil, what he has to live with. So, <laughs> but I agree with everything that Cara said about the Elizabeth side of it. She just it missed completely. I mean, I was I've always said that I think the Brookfield lot are very lacking in self awareness and awareness of the things and the people around them. And Lizzie has just proved that it continues even if you live in a a large house elsewhere. Mm. But you know what, though? Specifically, her and David do have form of falling out, you know, over the the will, Phil's will. She didn't speak to David for, for quite some time. And then when they were even younger. Nigel. But but anyway, we have lots and lots and lots of calls. So why don't we do a little bit of this? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Now, good listener, listen, give you some good news. You're not going to hear much from me because this now is officially the Dr. Cara Courage Show with Madame Berto. Here is Catherine. Hi, everyone. It's Catherine ringing up. My theme this week really is about expectations and a couple of instances where the expectations are, expectations even, are totally unrealistic. So you've got Elizabeth agreeing with Vince, that she's spe- who she's barely spoken to for several weeks, that yes, a meal out in a formal restaurant setting is a great way to discuss their son's psychosis, was it? Was that what he's diagnosed with? Anyway, very severe mental health breakdown. Vince, who didn't cause it, obviously these things aren't as simple as that, but certainly didn't help him when he was struggling. David's inability still to cope with this is another issue. I'm sure someone else will ring up about what did they think was going to happen? And why is Elizabeth saying at the beginning, well, I didn't think a meal out with my family would be so stressful. It's not the meal out with her family that's stressful. It's the meal out with her lover who seems to show no respect for her family. I, I do worry, like some other people have said on Twitter, that she's you know really going for the wrong team there and will be very much subject to him. I don't know, there's, there's something that sits badly. And I feel that David and Ruth, who shouldn't have gone anyway, are now going to be painted as the baddies. The other one is the very keen new character, Lottie, that no one's ever heard of and suddenly is talking about vulvas with what's-her-face. And just <laughs> she says a five-year-old told her that she was going to have a sleepover that night. And she said, oh, OK. God, my children, when they were five, talked so much nonsense. The idea of arranging a sleepover with someone without waiting for the text back or anything like that is an absolute rubbish. And I'm not quite sure what the point of Lottie is. No one ever just pops up for the hell of it, do they? So there's my two thinking points for this week. Bye. Thank you for that. Another caller in later on has an idea as to what Lottie's place in the whole firmament of Ambridge could well be. But anyway, right, Doc, being as you are our guest, why don't you go first? 
Thank you. It's very kind. I, I love when people talk about a theme of the week because I, I never get to that. And I, so I love it when people really eloquently bring it all together. Yeah. And you're absolutely right around the expectations. Like, really, what was Elizabeth expecting from that meal? Particularly when she set up the people in the room to fail. These people that she loves, she set them up to fail. It's ridiculous. And I, I picked up on that as well when Elizabeth said, who would have thought of me like with my family would be so stressful? It's like, they're not the issue here. It's your boyfriend no. that is making this a stressful yeah. situation. Yeah. And there is something, it doesn't sit nicely with me about where that may be going in terms of the dynamics with their relationship. And may, I, I, I don't want to sort of go so far as saying coercive control, but there's, you know, or that she's being isolated from her family, but she does seem to be taking kind of side with this now. So where is that? Where is that going to go? But what I thought was weird was the fact that she appears not to know about, and we do have a caller that talks about it, this whole idea of this loan being called in. And she it wasn't mentioned. She didn't mention it. Does she know about it? Does, she know, does Vince know the level of the breakdown that Ben has had? I think there's a lot of misinformation around what Vince has been told and what Vince has shared with Elizabeth. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. But as Royfield says, you know, there's been a lot of history of them, of fraternal falling out within the family and the children. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but it's I, an I interesting just, I, I've yeah. never been a, a Vince fan, so, you know. But I would have thought even for Vince, if he really did know the effect that this had on Ben, even he would go, yeah. actually, hold on a minute, this yeah. changes everything now. My apologies are very, very different. I, I would credit him with that, I would hope. Yeah. So he's clearly in the dark about it. It's it's odd. Did but... either of you realise that Vince had a third daughter? Really? No. <laughs> it really well surprised I thought, me. I, I, I thought I was just being a bit sick. I thought, I can't have listened. I must have blinked one day. When I'm imagining did. there I is some sort of did. Kardashian dynasty that he's got there. And it's just going to be one, you know, be another one, another one, another one. <laughs> Well, somebody had to explain to me about the Kardashians the other day because I had no idea because I live in the middle of nowhere. Who the hell plans their diary to what a five-year-old says? My life as an auntie would be so different if I believed everything my niece and nephews told me about what they're usually allowed to do and where they should be going. It would be ridiculous. Right. And, And let's go to that next caller, Inara, who's got a little bit of an insight or at least an inkling as to uh, the future of Lottie. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. First, I'd like to give my thanks to Royfield, Jacqueline and Philippa for the festive issues, including the Bonus Recollections podcast. I thought this week I'd ring in with some predictions for 2023. And my first prediction may not suit everybody because I'm predicting that 2023 is going to be the year of Pip. I think Lottie is going to be a foil for Pip and we will find out what Pip's long-term ambition for Brookfield is going to be through conversations with Lottie. And I would also not be surprised if Pip shares with Lottie her feelings about relationships and so on. And perhaps this will be the year at last when Pip and Rex get together and then in a dramatic twist, Jill blesses the union of a fair brother and an archer 
shortly before she dies, that, um, but in such blessing, she at last makes peace with the fact that Phil was married to Grace before her. I also think it will be a tough year for Alice. I don't think she's really come to terms with the fact that Chris is now free to form other relationships. I think he will do so in the coming year. I don't think it will be with Pip, but possibly we'll see the return of Amy. And I think Alice will struggle when he does so, when he forms a new relationship. However, it's all in the gift of the editors and the scriptwriters, so we'll just have to wait to see what is served up. Thank you for the podcast. Stay safe, everybody, and speak again soon. Bye. Thank you, Mr. F. Doc, what do you reckon? Lottie, she's going to be the lightning rod, which is going to give us the year of Pip. Well, never have I wanted a prediction to be more wrong <laughs> than that, the year of Pip. I second that. <laughs> Good God, strap in. It's going to be a tough year for us, isn't it, if that's going to be the case. Oh, it, um, is. it is interesting, though, that Brookfield inheritance, the whole family dynamic, it's got to come to some sort of head at some point but I think we're years away from that but we've got to build to it for sure it's interesting with people thinking is you know we've thought about it for a long time is Pip gay or bisexual and good god she's had enough chances to to try out at that and is Lottie the person that might happen with so there's that kind of going on in the background but also when I was listening to it it's so weird to hear um Another female friendship. There's a lot of women that talk to each other in the arches, but I don't know at the moment whether there's been a lot of space given to real female friendships. And we heard there two friends, mums, young mums, having a chat over a couple of pints about their experience of motherhood. And, oh, God, it really pains me to say this, but I actually really enjoyed that (laughs) as a depiction (laughs) of friendship. I mean, people were going, no, but people don't talk about that, whatever. But it was a try. It was a good try. As for Lottie's role, I don't know. Yes, maybe it is somebody for there to to be that that foil for Pip. That's interesting, actually, because she doesn't have, she doesn't really have other friends that she could talk to about this in the slightest. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mm. I tell you, in terms of female friendships, the one which always stands out to me is Usha and Ruth. There was mm. no reason for them to be in contact with each other, no plot reasons per se, no family mm. reasons. They were just friends. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Madam. Well, I, it would be a nightmare for me if it was a year of her pip. But, um, uh, you know, it's Chinese year of the rabbit. I'd sooner have a, a rabbit storyline than a pip storyline on permanence. Um, but... Um, it's, if it's about preparing us for the future, preparing us for what happens at Brookfield afterwards, maybe, yeah, a good good way of rolling the story along. So, yeah, maybe I'll, I'm for it. I shall bite my tongue. And, in fact, I agree with Cara. I agree with Cara. I actually um, thought Pip sounded human. Who knows, I mean, then, at the end of this year, review of the year, we could be going, look, Pip's our favourite one now. Has yeah, maybe I'm sorry, that would be saying. a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been, I've been not, uh, I would have to be taken away by alien rabbits somewhere, I think, so that's happened. <laughs> alien <laughs> rabbits? Alien rabbits, seals. Is this the year of the rabbit? <laughs> now, folks, the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. And you will also find a link in our show notes. Now, we don't bother with emails anymore because they're up the fritz. But what you can do if you don't hear the sound of your own voice, send us a voice note via WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. And now we're all back to normal. Please remember that we need your calls in by 6 p.m. on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, there are a few things you can do, dear listener. Normally, I say hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes or whatever podcast streamer that you use. No, not today. Go tell your mother, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your granny. Just say, look, grab hold of their phone. Go onto their podcatcher. Subscribe to Dum De Dum. They don't have to listen to it. Say, you don't have to listen to it. Be awesome if you did. <laughs> Just go do that because then we'll get extra downloads and we'll zoom up those charts. So very clearly, take the phone of a loved one or a family member, go onto their podcatcher, whatever it is, subscribe to Dumpty Dum and then say to them, that's it. Don't need anything more from you. But if you want to choose to listen to it, you'll be bright, royally entertained. Now, another thing you can do, give us a five-star review because we had naff all recently. I asked for some for Christmas. You dum-de-dummers decided to give me nada. I was obviously a bad boy last year. Didn't get any five-star reviews for dum-de-dum. But let's start 2023 as we mean to go along. Let's give dum-de-dum a five-star review. Now, finally, the last thing you can consider is to become a Patreon. Patreon is where tipping creators like us and there are different levels with different rewards so if you go to patreon.com search for dum-de-dum we'll be tickled pink to have your support so you can be a big hit with us just like lynn Smythe has been because she's our latest patreon so be like liz and support us on patreon and i think that is just about all the things we can ask you to do and i'm going backwards and forwards on this script and that's that oh just before we go back to the calls don't forget that you can send us a message via whatsapp 
plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six if you don't fancy being on the broadcast. And here's me mother back from the Indian restaurant. Mum, what did you have for your dinner? Chicken. No, my dad had chicken tikka masala and I had fish masala. There you go. Now we go back to our calls. And it's our resident sports therapist. It's Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Roy Phil, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First, Mazel Tov to Tracy and Jazzer. I enjoyed their engagement episode. But I'm an old softy, like Royfield. Well done, scriptwriters, for leading us down the path to Chelsea and Brad doing the asking. A special shout-out to Jazzer for completing his long and winding road to maturity. Remember, I used to call him the court jester of Ambridge and never thought he would settle down. Well, I was wrong. Much credit goes to Jim, whom we haven't heard from in a while, for being a role model and mentor. Next, I'm glad that Ben's counselor, Elena, I don't know, is she a clinical social worker, therapist, psychologist? What are her credentials? Anyway, I'm glad she was listening to me during the last podcast. A family session was quickly set up this week, so I'll take the credit. Disappointingly, we only heard snippets, but I thought that Elena did a good job in getting Ruth and David to express their feelings and acknowledging their concerns while supporting Ben and his path to psychological health and greater independence. I was a little concerned when she answered specific questions about what the course of medication treatment would be. She said a year, and then it would be his choice of staying on or coming off of the meds. I'll just say it's never that clear, especially so early in the treatment. We don't know what his diagnosis is and what medications he's on. If it's only an antidepressant, then okay, it would be the likely plan. If he's on a mood stabilizer for bipolar disorder, he would likely not be taken off of it. If he's on an antipsychotic medication as well, we would have to see how he's been doing and weigh the pros and cons of coming off of it. Anyway, she should have punted most of the answer to the treating psychiatrist. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Mr. Spoon. Dr. Cara. I I do, I do think it's lovely. That, yeah, that, that journey, the hero's journey that Jazz has been on, I do think it's lovely. And what would really wrap this up in a really extra special lovely boat is if he asked Jim to be his best man. I, I would be crying at that. I'm crying, you know, tears at the thought of it. I would love that to bits. I really would. The I I, I did enjoy well, I enjoyed the David and Ruth bickering or in that whole scene, the lead up to that family session. I think they did that really well and through it as well. I think they played out that they, that stressed and upset and quite distressed family dynamic thing really well. So credit to those those actors for that. I've got to say though, and I, I find I find this storyline somewhat difficult to listen to because of you know experience that I've had with myself at times and but also with friends, that accessing that help so quickly and getting such thorough help is such a challenge in the UK at the moment. And I know I shouldn't let it get in the way of my my lauding of the show for for showing what it can be and that the support is out there but I think another caller did say that with the time that the the episode aired there wasn't a mental health bed in the UK available for anyone that does get into the foreground of my thinking on that that storyline but yes I'm I'm glad they're taking it seriously and I'm glad they're showing 
a kind of 360 of this and involving the family in it and that family call. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's so many people in our com- Archer's community who've had problems with mental health and family with mental health. And uh, actually, that's the slight downside of uh, the fact that we all overanalyze mm-hmm. what we're listening. And it, as you say, can get in the way of our enjoyment of the story as it's happening, rolling out, because you're thinking, huh, well, why didn't that happen for me? Why didn't it happen for her? Why didn't, you know, it, it's a, what do people call it? The Ambridge Fairy? Mm. So, yeah, and it does sometimes get in the way of it. But I, I think you know, we can all accept that there has to be a bit of leeway. And this week, the whole family therapy thing on the Zoom call, especially as it started so badly with David and Ruth and their <laughs> blame game, I think is very good. I mean, I'm so grateful that we've got Witherspoon to actually bring us back around to thinking, who actually is this person? Mm. What qualifications? How would a professional really have handled it? I personally think that Witherspoon should probably be employed by the Archer's uh, editorial team as a specialist we can lend him to them can't we <laughs> a psychological editor Sports an agricultural <laughs> one i really loved that episode when they're on the zoom call because it really mm. did it was rethian it was to educate and inform yeah. it was mm. Perfect in that regard. Sometimes it was a little bit too on the nose. Oh, and Shilly's, you'll take his medication. Should we check? But you know what? I learned, right? I utterly learned from that. And ditto, completely agree that the lead up with the family bickering was great, totally realistic, and how they played that out in front of the therapist at first. Mm. I don't, don't agree, but I understand David's viewpoint. For him, Ben going back to nursing is going back to normalcy. So he just wants to go back to normalcy. But of course, there are various steps that need to be taken. And also it's Ben's decision. Maybe this thing has changed him in in another direction. But you understand things need to get back to normal. Needs to go back to nursing. But but as always at Mr. Spoon, a wonderful, wonderful, most excellent call. Now, from Mr. Spoon, we go to our Paul. I believe he's a first time caller in or Hello, Roy Potter, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers. I'm Paul Nolney. I'm a first-time caller in though I've had a few mentions on social media roundups in the past. My Archer's Vintage is, like many others, listening with parents when I was young. I think I started listening on my own around about the time that Nigel first appeared driving the Mr. Snowy van, so I'm a Nigel. This week, I'm particularly interested in the difference between the family arguments with the Horribins and the Archer's. Susan, though she was very Susan, ultimately knew that what she'd done was wrong and took the steps she needed to do to fix that and affect her reconciliation. On the other hand, with the Brookfield Archers and Lower Loxley, Vince, I'm convinced, is not owning that he's in the wrong. He's taking actions to try and repair his relationship with Elizabeth. And I think David and Ruth's reaction to that at the fantastic dinner that he took them out to was exactly the right one there was no genuine remorse there there was nothing and i think it just shows that a lot of us have been writing what we've been saying about vince casey love the podcast been listening for quite a few years now nice to be able to call in at last i think this was one of my new year's resolutions was to overcome the uh, the reluctance and actually do it. Thank you very much, everybody. Speak to you soon. Thank you for that, Paul. Just before we go into the meat and potatoes of his of his call, New Year's resolutions, Dr. Cara Courage. What's yours? Absolutely none. 
Oh, wow. I'm not a fan of this time of the year. Not oh, I'm just up to my back teeth with it. So I I don't make resolutions. There are there are things which I will continue to improve on in my own personal life journey, but I do not have a sudden right 24 hours time. This is going to be completely different in my life. Wise, wise words from the doc, <laughs> Madame Berto. Well, hey, I do have a resolution, mm-hmm. but it's all very to do with life here and how we live. You know, I live in a very rural area and we don't even have the equivalent of a bull. So the bull. Here's your New Year's resolution then. Extra yeah. funding for the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I sound like it, that makes me sound like a Miss World cont- contestant. <laughs> I'm certainly not that. But we do have little restaurants, little local restaurants, all run by people, very good, local, old-fashioned, granny-made food, nothing. We do have a, a Michelin-starred restaurant that happened in our commune, but other than that, there are other small restaurants, and we try and help them. And we try and make ourselves, <laughs> we're not really great go-arouterers, we try and support a small business and one lovely restaurant in Mio de Bretagne, which we've been going to regularly for the last few years, has announced its closure this weekend. So oh, no. we both discussed the fact that actually we need to make more of an effort. And, okay, and scrap it. what I just said. It is my resolution to eat at more Michelin-starred restaurants <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, you, uh, you know what? what? It's super important to patronise local businesses to keep money mm. in local communities yeah Uh, us going to chains all the time that money goes somewhere else let's at least keep the money circling around in in the local community it's so important but my new year's resolution is a really boring one i'm going to dress it up in a different way need to lose a bit of weight i mean that's a given for me any year but that's bound to fail no you've got to be positive god damn it madame berto i listen going to be on stage in April. And you know what, right? People need to see less of me, not more of me, <laughs> less of me. Right? Because right. I've Good got luck with this that, mate. nice pinch jacket, which right here and now is not, it's pinching in all the wrong ways, right? <laughs> People need to see a svelte, suave Royfield. Royfield, if I get to stand on stage next to you, you'll look very svelte compared to me because I'm, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a real wee, a weeble wobbles that doesn't fall down. <laughs> Listen, I need to meet and surpass people's expectations, not like, oh, goodness, that's not what I thought he sounded like from the podcast. <laughs> right. now, now we're talking about next April. What do we have in mind? Dr. Cara, tell us what people can expect. Oh, this is so good. I'm so looking forward to this. We haven't met up, obviously, in our various different parishes of Academic Archers and Dumpty Dum in person for so long. And there we are. Mm. And we're going to make it as much as we can a really big mashup of both of what we do, our formats. And there's obviously a lot of people who have an Ambridge Ferry. They have a house in both of our parishes. So that's really Great, they'll be really joining forces. So we're meeting in Birmingham on the 21st to the 23rd of April this year. We are going to start off with a, we're still talking about this, but we are talking to the one stiletto in the Grave Gang, which of course, shorthand of that, Lillian, about doing something with them on the Friday night as a little welcome event to talk about the friendships that come from being an Archer's fan, whether that 
you know, you, you meet the people through academic arches or Dumpty Dum or on any of the Facebook groups. And that'd be, that's, that's nice. I'm looking forward to that conversation. There's been some really transformative stories come out of that, as we all know. But we'll focus on that friendship. And then the Saturday and the Sunday, we're over to our mashup shenanigans. So there'll be papers from academic archers through that Sunday, that Saturday. And as usual, we'll be finishing our stuff there with a live listen, which is great to hear a room of 200 people all groaning and moaning at Pip Archer at the same time or shouting, you know, boo and hissing to Vince, it might be at that time. It's hilarious. And we will do a wonderful, tuneless, out of time, dumpty dum to record for Royfield as well. So that's also something to look forward to. There's a lot more details to come. We're still working out ticket prices and things like that and hotel information, but sort of watch this space and we'll get that to you as soon as we possibly can. But those are the dates, 21st to 23rd of April. There'll be something there for you to dip into, you know, come and go from different things or there to join up for everything that we're doing over the whole weekend and all sorts of options in between as well. And we'll keep you posted on what we're doing. Academic Archers has a call for papers out at the moment. And a call for papers basically means give us your ideas for what you want to talk about. And you don't have to be an academic to do that. You can come from a you know, professional experience you might have or something or a lived experience on an issue in the Archers that you want to talk about. And there's two formats for that. You can talk 15 minutes, which some people go into quite a lot of depth. But there's also something we do called a quick pitch which is five minutes, and for you to just go, what's going on with this situation? In my experience of this, it would be that, and so on and so forth. Or just to be seeding an idea about what's going on and having a bit more of an in-depth look and approach to what's happening in the arches at that time. So if you've got an idea, we really want to hear from you. And the person who's handling that is the wonderful Helen Burrows. And you can find all the information about that on academicarchers.net and on our Facebook group. We post it over to the Dumpty Dum group as well. And all those ideas go to Helen and she's fantastic and friendly and lovely and really helpful. So if you've got any questions, either Helen or myself will be able to help you with that. And if you're worried about coming to a conference and never been to one before, I get it. We crochet and we laugh and we drink a lot of gin is mainly what happens at an academic archers conference. And I know that Dumpty Dum is not adverse to similar activities either, but we do a buddy system as well. So we will meet, we'll match you up with somebody else in your neck of the woods and you can travel together or somebody that you can meet, same interests, similar interests, meet on the day and come in through the venue that way as well. Did I say wow. everything, my feels? Uh, that's pretty <laughs> comprehensive. And as as the, the, the good doctor kind of hinted at, you do not have to, A, come for all three days, B, pay for attendance at all three days. We're gonna, we will release tickets towards the end of January, but they will be broken up so that if you want to, let's say, just, say, just come for Saturday or for Friday and Saturday or for Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you'll be able to do that. So do not worry. There'll be a price that will suit your pocket or purse. And no one will be left on their Jackie Chan. No one will be on their Jack Jones. We will buddy up, buddy you up with somebody. And I know there's going to be people flying in. Ambridge Pony Club says she's flying in from Ireland. There's going to be a special prize for the person who comes the furthest for this shebang and that could well be i don't know a knitted top from madame berto which you'll <laughs> knit she'll finish knitting on the sunday no but pressure really... there <laughs> no, you don't I'd like to knit a whole top <laughs> <laughs> no. scarf scarf i can knit a scarf 
Oh, the Bayer Tapestry. Can you just yeah. pop that out, Jacqueline? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I'll try and see if I can work out and try and do a Bayer Tapestry of the Dundee Tum Ashes. If you can start it on the Friday and have it finished by the Sunday, that would be yeah. epic. Right. That would be epic as well. I'm going to raise our academic archers lot to the challenge of this. Helen Burroughs did an amazing archers Ambridge cardigan pattern, which cardigan, is one of the yeah, BBC's hundred objects. Yeah. But if we were to do something that people could add into on the spot, yeah. we've got between us all and our groups, we've got the skills to help with that. So let's I think put them some to nice, the challenge. Em- a nice embroidery panel would be a very yeah. good. So you get could get people, people could add their own bit of agricultural and dum-de-dum and Archer's academic bits into it. In the olden days, <laughs> when I was a young married woman in the late early 80s, you'd have a dinner party to celebrate something like a year of marriage. I and thought you just threw white... your keys into a bowl back then. Yeah. I thought, isn't that the thing that went Some... down? Yeah, no, but wait for what you did to remember who was there, so you remember who to where to go and pick up your keys or your wife. <laughs> and you, people, people signed. You used to have a white linen tablecloth and you used to sign it. People signed it. Oh. And then the hostess then okay. would sew a oh. chain stitch the names and everything, oh. either in white on white, so it was very subtle, or bright coloured, depending on who, how you went. And then every anniversary, that tablecloth would be used and people would resign, redate and everything. Oh, Real memory lovely. things. And so that that would be quite a nice thing to see if I can find something. I like under that. Okay, let's move on this some more. This is great. There's me are trying to think of some gag about who's going to get it in the eye for the tapestry and whatever. <laughs> but, but like, yeah. you you. You know, that would be quite good because, in fact, if on the on the first day, some everybody was there signed it, and then a few people who can stitch or are willing to stitch or want to try to stitch mm. could stitch on some of those names, and the second day, more things were added, and then we'd have mm. people maybe who can embroider could stitch a tractor theme or a tree theme or something. This is it? the wonderful thing about a podcast. Things just come out of the ether, <laughs> don't they? Ideas, you know, they just spring forth from who knows where. But there you go. Yeah, God knows where that came from, Warfield. <laughs> now, when you said, I oh, would we'll go back to dinner parties in the early 1980s, I thought, oh. <laughs> What's coming in here? <laughs> Throwing your stitcher and car keys in, into the bowl. <laughs> anyway, now it's Queen Bee. Hi everyone, it's Queen Bee here with a plot prediction that looks far into the future. Might seem a bit out there. I think that Elizabeth's heart is going to give out and so David will have another regretful death on his mind. And Freddie will obviously inherit Lower Loxley, but this is where it gets a bit weird. I have a feeling that Lily and Ardil will get together and be that power couple. But what we don't know yet is that Ardil is secretly the mega-rich owner of Green... What's it called? Not Green Gables. Old Gables, New Gables. Grey Gables. And so the twins will be head-to-head in a competition to win business. And, of course, the power couple... Lily and Ardil could well steal business from under Freddie's less competent fingers. Love it. Bye. No, I love about the end of that was the mm. 
very, very, very Bond villain-esque. Now, Queen Bee, Dr. Clara Courage, what says you to the meat and potatoes of her call? Oh, bring it on. This is really good. I have often wondered whether Artel is actually the secret owner, and I've been waiting for that to happen. And then, yeah, Lily and him together, power couple, great, taking on Freddie. Freddie seems to be able to run the till in the orangery, but otherwise his <laughs> skills of managing a stately home are somewhat limited. Bring on, you know, the new Gay Gables and that power couple. Oh, the delight of that would be fantastic. Brilliant. I agree. What my learned friend said. Goodness. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Can't get more pithy and to the point than that. Thank you, <laughs> Madame Berto. It's like you put a guillotine to any more discussion right there. Anyway, now it's over to Andrea. Oh, now, Andrea has two calls this week. Hi, Royfield, Jacqueline and all you dumpty dummers all over the world. Happy New Year to you all. It's Andrea from Beautiful Brittany. I like to talk about the dumpty dums that come in and especially thank you for Marie Bray for last week's Christmas dumpty dum barbecue green mashup. It was so wonderful. I absolutely loved it. Brought a big smile to my face. It's just a shame that we'll have to wait till next year to hear it again. Although at least now there's a good reason for playing it again. But I really enjoy all these lovely musical tunes at the start. So I really just want to say keep them coming in. You musical lot. Thank you. Hi everyone again, it's Andrea from Beautiful Brittany. Last week's caller in Aurora saying that lovely Leonard could be Jill's guardian angel got me thinking. I think Jacqueline's a guardian angel to all the Brits living here in central Brittany. If you ever need to know anything, Jacqueline will either know it or know how to find out about it for you. However, I was most horrified to hear your comments last week about the fairy video. You said, and I quote, wretched creatures. I mean, how could you? Ferrets are so sweet-natured. Got a little story. When we lived in England and my son was about to start reception year at school, we had the obligatory home visit from his new teacher and classroom assistant. I was running around trying to tidy up at the last minute, but couldn't find Freya anywhere. A little way into the conversation, the teacher jumped up and said, I think a ferret's just run across my foot. But fortunately, she smiled as she said it. After my son had gone with the assistant to show us some of his toys, he came running back into the room and shouted, Mommy, Freya's done a poo in the kitchen. <laughs> so I muttered excuse me and slunk out of the room. The teacher followed me to the kitchen, where fortunately she was able to see that Freya was a ferret and not a wayward child just left to its own devices, and that the poo was in a litter tray in the utility room, not just the middle of the kitchen. I was so embarrassed, but they both laughed and said they see all sorts on these own visits, and this one was one they wouldn't forget that ferrets are fabulous and despite you having such a low opinion of them Mrs Berto I still think you're a guardian angel or maybe a fairy godmother not sure which one but keep up the good work so which one are you Jacqueline I think I'd better be a fairy godmother (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you Andrea (laughs) I'm embarrassed by that call Because not only did she trash me for saying I don't like ferrets, but it's not just ferrets. I don't like rats, mice or anything. Rodents. Rodents. Definitely not. Poo is the thing here. Talking about rodents or rodent-esque creatures, you know all the adverse weather that we've had in America? Do you see about the half-frozen bats in Texas? Oh, yeah. Horrible. Oh. And they saved most of them as well. Defrosted them. Yeah, defrosted them like, you know, and warmed them all up so they could continue on their flight. These poor bats been doing okay. this flight for 
eons and it's freezing weather's come and bats don't have an awful lot amount of fat on them so they really took to the cold quite bad it really warmed the cockles of my heart pun not intended at all mm. but these you know because bats aren't the most cuddly looking of creatures are they but you know these this special crack unit of bat rescuers you know turned up to and we're not talking about two or three bats it was like thousands, thousands yeah yeah <laughs> thousands and most of them survived yeah, you know because of the care that they were given but i want to say thank mm. you to andrea for that because in fact i have a role here cara that i have a a place in the mary on a monday morning and it's advertised as you don't speak much french you're struggling with french administration come and see jacqueline she might not be able to help you, but she'll know someone who can. Andrea, we are totally blessed to have people like Marie Bray and Stephen Indeed, Bowden, yeah. Al, who do our wonderful dum dums for us. But that doesn't stop you, dear listener at home, also banging out a tune. But yes, Marie and Stephen are completely wonderful. And she did Old Land Zion of this week's show. Now, moving on, we have Matthew. A very happy new year to all Dumpty Dummers. This is Matthew Horsepool calling from Coventry. And I'm here today to talk about David and Ruth and Elizabeth and, of course, Vince. There's something that's really confusing me about the scene at the restaurant on Friday's episode. David obviously is aware of the loan because he's got to pay it back. And he talked about the loan before he set off for the restaurant. And I was really expecting a snidey comment from David at the restaurant, you know, well, yeah, you're, you're not really paying it, are you? You know, you're, you're not paying the bill. You, you know, we're paying the bill, really, because it's our money that you're paying it with. And we didn't get a snidey comment like that. We got a lot of not wanting to accept the apology, which I think is fair enough. But again, we didn't get any reference to the loan at all. We didn't get, oh, well, so you're going to apologize, but you're not going to write the loan off or something, right? So th- there was nothing about that. There was nothing about it from Vince's side either. Like he didn't once say, you know, well, I I know what I've got to do. I've got to talk to David. I've got to tell him that he doesn't need to pay the loan back. It wasn't mentioned at the restaurant. And I just think that actually if Vince is going to do everything that he says he's going to do, if he's he's actually going to do, you know, what he needs to do to get back into Elizabeth's good books, surely Vince coming along and saying, listen, I've had a good long think over Christmas. I'm going to, you know, of course you can carry on, you know, lending the money. I'm not going to call that loan in. Surely that would be the right thing to do. And it begs the question of, well, really, does Elizabeth know about this loan? And I'm starting to think that perhaps obviously she knows about the loan, but I don't think she knows that Vince has tried to call it in. Do you think Matthew's a continuity announcer? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Sorry, voice. Voice yeah, what an Make amazing it. voice. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Great minds think alike. <laughs> you know, he does sound ridiculously perfect, doesn't he? He does. Really professional, got his levels. I think he mastered his audio before he sent it in. Just brilliant. Matthew, there's a spot going on a podcast that you probably listen to. <laughs> With that smooth delivery, right, I will quite happily move sideways for you. You can slot right in. But you can only have you it if you can perfect. edit as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you come with editing skills, because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> this isn't Matthew's first call, and I'm so glad that the pair of you said what you said, because I've always thought, what a wonderful voice. He's just smooth, like a hot knife through butter, this guy. Total local yeah. BBC radio mm. voice. Totes, totes, Matthew. If you're not doing at least hospital radio, 
Pull your finger out, man. And that's what you should be doing for 2023. Please do not let people down with a voice like that. Have we t- actually talked about the substance of his call, though? No, I don't think we did. We talked, it's a loan, isn't it? Why didn't anybody yeah. mention the loan? Exactly. Nonsense. There are Utter so nonsense. many holes and questions, aren't there, around <laughs> this whole loan thing? And yeah, does Elizabeth know that Vince called it in? Because again, that's a like, sorry, Vince, mate, you're chucked. Yeah. <laughs> it does done that. Yeah, indeed. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm 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 all for showing loyalty to your partner, but what Vince did on so many levels was just bang out of order wrong, right? And actually, I can kind of forgive him the blow up at Ben because that you just red missed. That's not me, but I kind of understand mm. it, right? Kind of, mm. right? He's defending his daughter, his daughter's honour. But the money thing, that's calculated. Mm. That's cold revenge. Mm. That's, that's you sitting that's... down and trying to screw people over. That's much more unforgivable. David, though, there was a kind of snider comment because at the end when they left, David said, don't worry, Vince, we'll be paying for this meal. And I just then had the vision of him and Ruth driving home going, what the hell have we done? That was 500 quid. (laughs) (laughs) And another bickering row in the car or complete silence from Ruth in the car on the way home. Brilliant. (laughs) Right now, let's crack on with these calls. Now, we are on the home stretch on the caller in a front and now we have Happy New Year! A happy New Year, everyone! It's Pip here from Thornton Heath, third time caller in and now. Still very much an avid listener and really enjoying it. I loved the little bonus one we had over Christmas with all the old sound bites. That was fantastic. So thank you for that. It's 5th of January, so everything starts to be settled down. Everyone's back to work, except me, which is great, but I worked all through Christmas. You did ask what we listeners do and, and whatnot. I'm a police officer in South London, so it's quite busy. But yeah, so I've just waved off my parents from having our own little delayed Christmas. And my mum is actually a an Archers fan as well, but only in recent years I'm trying to wean her away from the likes of Coronation Street. So we were having a little chit-chat this morning and she made a really interesting plot point going on about the land sale at Brookfield and how we don't know who this mystery buyer is and how they just sort of turned up out of nowhere and yet usually this sort of thing takes a really long time and her thought and I think she's absolutely bang on the money here is that the secret buyer is probably Leonard feels like a very Leonardy kind of thing to do and to keep it all stum until it all comes out in the wash at some point that actually when the land does get sold and Jill is like, oh, but this wasn't what Phil wanted. And Leonard's like, well, actually it was me and I'm giving it back to you and blah, 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 blah. It feels like we don't know much about his story. And so he could have a nice little bundle of cash squirreled away. So we'll see. I utterly love that as a plot prediction. It makes complete no sense. It's either Vince or it's Leonard. It's one or the other. It ain't Vince. It's definitely Leonard. I thought that when he was asking David and Ruth, like, how's that How's that all going then? You know, we've, we've heard some clunky exposition in the Archers before, but it's like, no, there's something else behind this. And that's what made me think that, OK, Leonard is buying this land. So my mum is probably one of the only people that doesn't like Leonard. She She's really <laughs> taken against him. But I'm going to claim Piff as my uh, new uh, best friend. So I'm on exactly the same journey. Umbridge. Go on. Can I just take great umbrage at your mother? Come no. on. No. Of course he can't. 
It's outrageous. I, Only I can take umbrage at my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, she it was it, she exclaimed it with with a lot of force over Christmas dinner. Actually, Lennis and Dugan, where did that come from, Mum? But yeah, Pip, you're not my you're my uh, new best buddy because I'm on exactly the same journey with my mum, weaning her off Corrie and get everyone to the arches. It's taking a while. Maybe we can have a commiseration group about that or sort some notes. <laughs> Madame Berta, what says you? I like that idea. Yeah, very good. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, the last caller in is our globe-trotting businessman, Richard. Hi, it's Richard pretending to be in Funchal, although I'm <laughs> back in Lisbon. Ryfield notes the details. So thank you, Ryfield, Philippa, Jacqueline. I never start with that. If I could operate these internet technologies better than I can, I was going to use chat GPT to put the Archer's theme mu- music to circus <laughs> background, but I failed and feel embarrassed. Just a few topics to call in on. One is why, not why, but just noting that George's Fallon, what can we call it, episode, leads into a storyline about toxic masculinity and I think that's a really good thing to have aired and I hope it I don't know how it's going to go I hope it shines light on things that people need to think about very happy about the fact that Beth Ben is back on track and I'm wondering about the Beth Ben reckon not necessarily reconciliation but I'm reminded of that Nietzsche quote that no one can actually track down that which does not kill us makes us strong. That I suspect that Ben's going to come out as a better person and a good influence on the village. And circling back to George, I'm fairly sure that Brad is going to have a much more interesting romantic life than George, and it's going to drive George nuts. And I was going to comment on Vincent and Lizzie, but I've just listened to today's episode. It's now, I think, Wednesday evening, and it's all too fresh. So happy new year, everyone. Keep up the wonderful work and my favorite podcast. Hi, Richard calling in from Copenhagen briefly, just to say that in my previous call, I was going to criticize Susan Carter and speculate as to why on earth Neil wants to be with her. But I really liked her apology and the fact that she went to the trouble of making a prepared speech. I thought it was really nicely done and unhappy at work. The other thing is just to note that if anyone's got access to an online version of today's Today program, and the final package was interviewing the actors who play Rory and Julianne, talking about the sugar daddy, sugar mummy issue, and it's worth a listen. You can find it on BBC Sounds, I think it is, if you're allowed to listen. All the best. I'm glad this was under two minutes. There you go. Thank you, Globetrotting Richard. Right, Madame Berto, go for it. Get your teeth stuck right in. Yeah, I'm very interested about this, the comparison between the toxic masculinity and the male mental health, because in some circumstances, there could be actually a very, very close connection between the two. George has been rejected, (laughs) if we would like to Put it like that by Fallon. What kind of path will that send him down? Further rejection? Mm. Interesting. So, and then it's all in parallel with Ben's storyline. So, yeah, good call, Richard. I really do hope that we do have a male toxicity storyline 
which would be really good to follow on from, you know, the male mental health thing. And very obviously the two things are ridiculously related, you know, isolation, powerlessness, etc. And you see how one character, Ben, dealt with that, but then how George could possibly be, you know, he's been rejected by this old woman, but then how he reacts to that would be a very, very on point for 2023. No, I agree. I mean, there's part of George's reaction to, um, you know, the, the knockback from Fallon is, is like of any teenager. No, I didn't fight you anyway. Ugh. But actually, we know George's backstory to this. And there's something else here that could be brewing. And I, I, I agree. I mean, there's where it will go in its its detail. We, you know, who knows? We, you know, but there is something. I think Fallon was really right, actually, to go to the parents um, and say, if something, I'm just telling you this because I don't feel safe. If something were to happen in the future, that I might get accused of something, I get it completely. Um, I think she was really well grounded to do that. And and yes, the difference in those in 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 Brad and George as young men of same similar age, and I think how their storylines as tandem are going to play out over the years could be really rich. We did um, a whole. Uh, panel and book in academic archers on women in the archers because that's such a rich theme of of of, um you know discussion debate there is it's really calling out for something here talking about the men in ambridge um the different generations of men the different uh yeah the mental health of the men in there as well it's it's crying out for a proper really in-depth conversation um, and I, I'm loving how um, there's both, you know, short and long term storylines on this right now. Now, we're going to move, dear listeners, on to emailerinners, which basically means people have sent messages on WhatsApp. Now, we've had two this week. First off, hi, Jacqueline and Royfield, and hello to Domini Domers out there. My dad passed away before Christmas and he gave me my love of the archers. If we were traveling anywhere, we had to tune in. Sunday morning omnibus was always observed. The names of the characters were embedded in my brain. And when I started listening myself in 2005, I used to chat about who was still in the cast. I'll think of him forever whenever I listen. I hope there are podcasts in heaven. Oh, this week has been very tough, but my heart was buoyed by Tracy and Jazza, caroled by, caroled by Chelsea and Brad to get married. What on earth was up with Susan though? She goes from sublime to the ridiculous. I love the podcast and thanks for all the work that you do. And that's Simon from Shropshire. What a lovely email, really touching to hear about your father. And uh, the fact that he gave you your love of the archers. So sad to hear, Simon, that he passed away just before Christmas. So that's of a, of a little tribute to your pops. And let's hope that he's tuning into Dum Dee Dum up there in heaven. Now, this has actually given me a little bit of an idea. And I'm just throwing this at Jacqueline and, and Cara. Because we've had such lovely feedback from the Christmas show, which we did, which was the recollections of the Dum Dum family. So that's people who do the social media bits and pieces and the Dum Dum elders. Them just talking about their journey with the archers and how they first started listening and their favourite characters. And then I found a clip. I wanted to do that again, but I'm going to say this to you, listener. Send in via SpeakPipe how you started listening to the archers. Who's your favourite character? 
And what is the first storyline that you can remember? Send it in. And what I'll try and do is what I, exactly what I did for that show, which I'll try and find a clip of, your, of either your favorite character and or your, the first storyline that you can remember, and I'll put that into a show. And if we get a lot of these, what I'll do is I'll put out two or three different shows. So please, that'd be a really lovely thing, I think, for everybody to listen to and for everybody to get to know Dumpty Dum listeners who are part of the community. Hi, Jacqueline and Royfield. I tried to send this message last week, so I'm sorry it's now a week, week late, but I got the number wrong, even though I listened to Royfield in two different podcasts on 0.8 speed. I could have sworn he said a five at the end and not a nine. It wasn't until I just heard Jacqueline read out the number in this week's podcast with her beautiful enunciation that I heard the number, the correct number. I'm a first time WhatsApper in and I started listening to The Archers during the Robin Helen storyline, so I very much consider myself a newbie. Well, you are, mate. I'm messaging because I wanted to say a big thank you to Jacqueline and Royfield for putting in the time to record the podcast on Christmas Eve. I'm grateful every week, but especially appreciate it at this busy time of year. And I really loved Royfield's little interjections to go and tell his brother to be quiet. I have no plot predictions, but I really hope that Ardil and Lily don't get together as it's such a cliched meet cute. The whole she doesn't like him, but slowly comes around to love him. I like to think the scriptwriters are better than that and that they lead us towards a cliché and then subvert it. I actually enjoyed the logging and dogging storyline. It made me laugh. But then I'm a fan of a little innuendo, which I find the scriptwriters like to slip in all the time. Often a scene will start <laughs> as as you, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a cheeky little one. Often a scene will start with a cheeky one line where you don't know what's happening in the scene. For example, Kirsty and Rex will open a scene puffing and panting, doing something quite innocent, and Kirsty will say something <laughs> like, Do you want me to hold it to it for a bit, Rex? <laughs> Mrs. Maybe it's just me and my mucky mind. I used to be sure the scriptwriters were trying to get on Scott Mills's innuendo bingo when it was on. Anyway, now I've looked up the courage to message for the first time or second, depending on if last week's counts, I might do it again. Many thanks, Lizzie near Loughborough. Oh, that's good. Very good. I'm so glad you liked my enunciation, my Immingham tones coming through. <laughs> whatever (laughs) (laughs) lovely whatsapp there lizzie and welcome to the dumdy dum gang now let's hear what our facebook posse have been talking about on the dumdy dum facebook group with our fabulous stephen bowden hello you two stephen here with this week's social media roundup let's start with that proposal massive gamble taken there said sarah spilsbury Absolutely hate those public kind of proposals. Too much pressure on either party to say yes for fear of losing face publicly. But in this instance, I think it's meant to be. Good luck to them. Cross fingers, but... Andrea 12's agreed. Me too. If it happened to me, I feel I'd have to say yes to avoid embarrassment. But I also think it's very romantic for some people. And some people also commented. It was gorgeous, said Marilyn Perk. Loved it, said Jan Mitchell. But public proposals aren't always ideal. I was on a helicopter trip to Taku Glacier in Alaska, noted Sandra Jenkinson. One of the other passengers got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend. I felt that he had hijacked the trip. 
Susan was the topic of quite a bit of conversation. Susan, said Rob Williams, your position of gossip queen is not the most important thing here. I'm not sure that Rob is quite right on that point, but no matter. Paul Newman agreed with Rob. She can't bear it when she's the last to hear anything. It's of course all Tracy's fault for not texting in time for her to get over to the bull and take the photos, even though she was in bed. Andy Mallander thought that she might have a reason for her attitude. I think Susan has been badly affected by the finalisation of Alice and Chris's divorce. Just at the moment, she can't be happy about an engagement in the family. But Millie Hart had no time for such considerations. Susan, shame on you, she said. That was vile. And Sally Princess Parks agreed. Susan was so horrible to Tracy. I could understand if she felt a little left out after missing all the excitement of the pub. But she was so unkind after after the rough year Tracy has had. But Susan wasn't the only person to come in for some harsh words. There was quite a bit of discussion about that Friday night dinner. I'm so glad that David and Ruth left the restaurant and the insincere half-apology and paid their own bill, said Julie Dalfinis. They can't trust anything Vince promises, and now they know they can't trust Elizabeth either. Jan Mitchell wasn't a fan of Vince either, nor of Elizabeth. I can't believe Elizabeth refused to see Vince all Christmas because she was so angry with him, then turns around and invites him home after that performance. I'm not impressed. Jane Curzon came to Vince's defence, at least a little. Vince had no idea of what Ben has been going through. Elizabeth hadn't found the time to tell him before the dinner. And even at the dinner, it wasn't spelt out, including selling the land in order to pay Vince off for the solar panels and the additional guilt for Ben. John Beasley had some rare praise for the Brookfield Archers. I thought David put his natural, curmudgeonly side to very effective use, all the more so because he didn't get angry. Vince was left in no doubt that David and Ruth would not let bygones be bygones. I still don't think Vince quite understands the full magnitude of the effect his bullying tirade had on Ben's mental health. And Darcy Jugginson was shocked by what she heard. Sweet baby deity, I agreed with David. Elsewhere, Ray Milner wondered whether Lottie might be that perfect old friend who turns up near the start of a horror film, with hideous consequences. Sarah Evans shared a picture of a school project, a model of a modern Bailey castle which she definitely didn't make for her child owner. And my poll on who might be Jazz's best man produced a fairly unequivocal result, with 82% of Dumpty Dummers thinking it should be Jim. And on that shock result, I'll return you to the studio. Now, if we're talking about Facebook, it must be time for us to welcome how many members, Jacqueline? We have four lovely new members this week, so let's wish a very warm Dumpty Dum welcome to... Stephen Beach. Anita Gayton. Justin Bean. And Jacqueline Alinan Fatani. Now, I know what you're waiting for, folks. You're saying, well, this now is all culminating into great reviews or maybe even bad reviews, which Dumpty Dum has got. But you know what? We've been met with indifference. A whole world of indifference this week. I don't know if I can cope with much more indifference. I'd rather you hated me and what we do than this. Dumpty Dummers, please. It's 2023. Let's give us one or two nice reviews. Put wind in our sails. Put a fair smile on our mouths and warmness in our hearts. Please write us a review on Apple iTunes. If you don't know how to do it, look at the show notes. It will tell you how it is done. Right, well, we can be found on Twitter under the name of at Dumpty Dum. 
We always include a The Archers hashtag using a capital T and A, so the visually impaired can enjoy an Archers based any Archers based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along, which happens both in the evenings and during the Sunday omnibus. Now, I can be found at Jberto Sanguin, but Rifle is so over Twitter, so don't go there. How about you, Cara? Are you on Twitter? Hi, I am. I'm at Cara Courage, but I, I've been silent on Twitter for over a year now, really. It sounds like you've got my dog in your room with you. It's a little bell. There is a little bell. It started to hail outside, so we've been joined by the weather in Brighton, and it's really woken my cat up. And she's now howling and getting very excited. So, welcome, Chetta, to Dumpty Dum. <laughs> I have Nestor and uh, and uh, Julia who have bells, and they kind of occasionally enter into the Dumpty Dum recording studio as well. So there we go. And don't forget, folks, if we're talking about Twitter. Please try and include at Dumdum in your tweets, so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. So you know what, folks, it's now time for tweet of the week. Hello, and a happy new year to Royfield, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of tweets of the week and one two to the week. It's been a great week to start the new year on Twitter, with many of the regulars back from their holidays and our timing back on track to allow omnibus tweeters to be included in the show. But first to Mastodon, where there's a lot of speculation about what's going to prove to be wrong with Lottie, Pip's new friend. But my toot of the week is from someone who manages to synchronise tweets and toots, a trick we may all need to learn. It's James A. at Exeter Dormouse at Mastodon.social. He has a photo of the late great Carolina Hearn as Mrs. Merton reprising her question to Debbie McGee with Lizzie! What first attracted you to the multimillionaire Vince Casey? Over on Twitter, it's hard to know which thread to recommend. The one on wedding memorabilia for Jazza and Tracy, which features a lot of piglets. Or Pip and Lottie's discussion of bodily terms, which gets pretty fruity and ends with Jane Bramley, at Jane Bramley, suggesting that <clears throat> Lottie should persuade Linda to put on a showing of the vagina monologues for the village. Royfield, I'll do that bit again. On Twitter, it's hard to know which thread to recommend. The one on wedding memorabilia for Jazza and Tracy, all featuring piglets. Or Pip and Lottie's discussion of bodily parts, which gets pretty fruity and ends with Jane Bramley, at Jane Bramley, suggesting that Lottie should persuade Linda to put on a showing of the vagina monologues for the village. I'd also commend to Joanna Van Campen, at Joe Campen, who plays Fallon noting how Charlotte Higgins in The Guardian manages to describe Fallon in terms that include Nigella Lawson, Honey, and a courtesan's thighs all at once. But to the Twitter medals, with thanks as ever to those who tag at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best. In bronze, it's Josh Tambini Esquire at Slack Allen with an answer to the question we're all asking. Perhaps Vince is very good at sex. In silver, really just to avoid giving her gold two weeks in a row, it's a two-parter from Ambridge Pony Club, at Jen J. Stephen. Alastair, there's been two feet out of the new-new of the moo-moo for 20 minutes, so I think you'd better get out here. And the follow-up, pass the goo-goo, I need lubrication to pull the baby moo-moo out of the new-new without damaging her flu-flu. Still makes me laugh. And in gold... 
It's Scouse Lakes at Scouse Lakes. Sorry, Philippa. Forget the year of the rabbit. That's in the back of the drawer. Now I've found Jazza. That's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next week. Thank you, Theo. And congratulations to everybody who was nominated and got a gong for their tweet or toot of the week. If you're talking about social media, we always need to mention the fact that Dumpty Dum is also on Instagram. Please do follow us there and be part of the Katie gang. I know that Academic Archers have a Facebook page, but do you have Instagram? We don't do Instagram, but if you just put in at Academic Archers, you will find us there. But again, we've been quite dormant on on Twitter. All of our action really happens over on our Facebook page. And if you want to find out what we look like and what our laughter at conference looks like, go to academicarchers.net and you'll find out all about us there and the YouTubes of the conferences and things like that as well. Well, thank you for being with us and sharing this. And thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. There you go. That's been your dumb dumb. Thank you, Doc. Thank you. Sorry that my cats and I started to howl, but thank you very much for having us both. Well, um, your cats got in on the podcast, as did me mum. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.